Howdy, howdy, and welcome to my bloody Judy with your final forgets, myself, Zachary Patton Garcia. And Ian Carlos Crawford. And today joining us for as the opening kill, we have author of Surrender Your Sons and Your Lonely Nights Are Over. Do we all yeah. have a copy of it? What? Hey, how many copies do you have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in frame. And then there's one in my, one in my little thing. We're still going. We're still going. I got, you know, company sends me 10. Um, so yeah, final forgets, final copy. Um, I want to hear a little bit about this book from your mouth. Adam. <sighs> um, because we're not, we can't do spoilers. We can't talk spoilers. But Spoiler we get free. you right at the beginning of a press tour for this. So yes. it's fresh in your mind right now. Uh, this is my Rosie O'Donnell. I'm going on Rosie O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. The year is 1997. Yes. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wee baby. Um, yes. Yeah, so your lonely nights are over. I pitched it as Scream It's Clueless. And, I, and honestly... A lot of people pitch their book as blank meets blank. I am very, very, very flattered to hear from many readers and reviewers, actually, that they're like, my God, the comps are true. They're all true. Mm. Um, this is uh, for people who are kind of horror aficionados and for people who are maybe like little... Not not like scaredy cats, but I guess mm -hmm. little scaredy cats. You could say this is, um, first of all, this is a story about Deary and Cole. It is two best friends who are um, two queer best friends. And I, first of all, I wanted to do a story. I just come off of doing a rom com, so I wanted to do um, a story about gay best friendship um, and uh, you know a different type of relationship. I, I, frankly a more important kind of relationship to me uh, because not everybody's going to have um, a relationship or wants to have a relationship or maybe they will change it up a lot in their lives, but a lot of people are gonna have uh, <clears throat> gay best friends um, that they are extremely close with for that, are, that will span many decades of their lives um, that will be very important to them. So I wanted to examine that and then this was gonna be like an unbreakable duo from the beginning um and that's where you get the clueless in there because these are queen bees of the high school they are funny they are popular they're a little bit mean but in a really actually funny and they earn it kind of way um and there is a lgbtq club mm -hmm. on in their high school but they're not really joiners they're not really a part of it frankly they don't really super love the bummer energy a lot of those queer club kids kind of give off. Um, in fact, they call them the flops. And they're not really interested in having a boyfriend. I think everybody in the in the queer club, the flops, kind of really wants this sort of, each one of them kind of wants this little heart stopper story for themselves. And Jerry and Colters don't really want that. And each part is valid. Mm -hmm. It's just about, this story really is about um, what different people in the queer community want for themselves versus do they impose that upon another yes. person who is mm -hmm. very clearly happy. So like very clearly Deary and Cole are very happy not being in relationships and just being very close best friends who maybe get a little touchy feeling intimate with each other. It, it sort of begins like all horror movies do, mm -hmm. which is just they're living their lives. And this is sort of the normal, this is the, this is the tension they're living with at the beginning. Then from there, uh, everybody becomes obsessed with this new true crime docuseries. Which is probably my favorite little like bit you put into it because I also obsess yeah. over a little true crime thing and would have absolutely yes. been into this Mr. Sandman true crime series. It's great. Like honestly, this was so much fun to write. So this was so there was this killer, Mr. Sandman, who's kind of a cross between the Zodiac killer mm -hmm. and um uh Richard Ramirez Night Stalker. Okay. Um so little bits of both. This is where Mr. Sandman is. So Mr. Sandman's rules really are, um, you could be anybody, young, you could be old, um, any gender, any age, no one was spared in this rampage. It was just, he would kill you um, if you were lonely, if you had been recently dumped or divorced, um, if you had, um, uh, if you were pining over somebody you couldn't have, or just in general, 
you had a lonely aura about you. Mm-hmm. Um, he would send you a message saying your lonely nights will soon be over. And then 24 hours after receiving that message, you'd be dead. Um, and this went on for four years, then he disappears. So this true crime thing is just like the show drops and everyone at Deary and Cole's high school is just obsessed, except yes. not Deary. Deary like can't be bothered with this. He's like, everyone's being very weird about this. I don't get it. But Cole is like massively into it. He is I like, would be the Deary and Zach would be the Cole. And that's oh, exactly. See, that's why you two are It's just too. not yeah. like other girls, guys. <laughs> it's just not like other girls. <laughs> Well, I think Ian's default setting is like, I'm annoyed by people. (laughs) (laughs) And so when everyone likes it, I'm annoyed because everyone's annoying. (laughs) That's like, I'm the deer, where I'm just like, this is a little popular and everybody should just instead be into the unpopular thing I'm into. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So Cole is like just massively into it. He's just like, yeah, like I know the rules and this, that. And so a lot of other people in the queer club are as well. Um, so the problem is, and this is where the, our story begins. Uh, the problem is two of the biggest flops in the queer club, Grover and Gretchen. Grover and Gretchen are two people who just hate Deary and Cole. Specifically Cole, they kind of blame Cole for all their problems as Kind of everyone does, because Cole is gorgeous. Cole is sort of just like, things come very easy to Cole, or so they think. Uh, you, If you ask Cole, he's going to tell you a different story. Um, but a lot of people put a lot of, they project a lot of their hopes and dreams and uh, just all their shit onto Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, Cole is just tired and so he is ready to, like, as soon as graduation hits, they live in this sort of small town in Arizona. He's just ready to, like, go to L.A. and, like, be a director. And Adira's going to come with him and, and be an actor. That's their plan. So as this begins, Grover and Gretchen um, receive these odd text messages from weird numbers that they've never been texted before. And it's a message that says, your lonely nights will soon be over, which is the message that Mr. Sandman would send where 24 hours later, mm-hmm. you'd be attacked. So what happens is these text messages, because Grover and Gretchen have been in such constant conflict with Deary and Cole, everybody thinks Deary and Cole are behind this somehow. They're pranking them. They're bullies. They've been painted as such. So basically... What start and it turns out these are real messages. So I won't say what happens to Grover and Gretchen because it's much more interesting what actually happens. Um, but lots of twists and turns from there. But it basically sets off a killing rampage mm-hmm. um, where it's clear that Mr. Sandman has returned, whether it is the original from the 70s or whether it is a copycat. So Deary and Cole, but nevertheless, it's very clear that Deary and Cole are being coordinatedly blamed for these attacks. They're being framed. So the whole plot of this is Deary and Cole, deeply annoyed as ever, have to pair up with this queer club that they hate because they are all being targeted by this Mr. Sandman killer. Um, And if they do not unmask this killer, they are going to go down for these killings. So it's sort of like in Scream, if like Billy and Stu were innocent, but then like everybody was like, okay, well, these two that are like hugging a lot and like draped on each other. Put that on the poster. If Billy and Stu were innocent, (laughs) your lonely nights are over by Adam Sis. It's an, it's an, yeah, it's an alt world uh, sort of retelling where Billy and Stu are like really innocent. And it's like, wow, Sydney really set them up. <laughs> um, yes. <yeah>, so, uh, <laughs> he was wrong about Cotton. Wrong again. That's that's what we're gonna find out <laughs> in seven. It was it was Sydney the whole time. Yes. Uh, so that's so spoiler free. That's like all you're gonna get. Basically, the first chapter of uh, You Will Nights Are Over. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are forty chapters. So there's there's, there's a lot of book. I, it's, yes. it's it's a good bit of story. You've got how many pages? Four hundred and. Um, Four hundred and twelve, thirteen, four, four, four hundred and six. Yeah. The, the other, the last, the back, like four pages are me acknowledging. Um, yeah, my dogs and my family. Um, there you go. So if you want to read those, read those. But 
the story. Book. The scoop Hefty is book, important. Yes. I would like to tell everyone I read the first draft of this book and I loved it even when I I remember Adam, and... you and I, Adam and I were hilariously exchanging pages of writing and then Adam got a book deal for it. And I was like, well, I guess I had so cute. More to say. There you go. <laughs> oh, no. See? And that's Adam was great. so nice about it. Adam's like, we could still workshop. And I was like, I don't want, to a book that's getting- <laughs> I don't want your pity workshop. Don't give me a pity <laughs> no! workshop. But even the first draft, I like genuinely loved. Um, yeah. And I think it was what, Adam, like 50 pages that I read. I feel like it's a credit to you that to say like, oh, I liked that first draft, which was framed very differently and then I, like I, I loved that and I was like oh I'm gonna like this book and then I still love the book in the new form that it took and like I don't know I feel like that's a that's a good credit to you Adam to be like yeah this was very different when I read it the first time and I still loved it both times like that's pretty impressive it's a it's Thank a really you. I appreciate fun it it is really fun um, um and i really i really appreciate deary and cole as the like you like you described them the popular kids the people that people are a little bit envious of a little bit jealous of but in being the queer popular kids who are envious and they're not you know queer characters are never usually written like that but in becoming the popular kids at their school they are then othered by their own group yeah and so today's topic kind of fits into that <laughs> We're gonna be talking Turn about the misfits and othered around. and the outcasts of horror movies. We've <laughs> Zach, I'm so proud of you for I you literally just stepped on my toes. That was gonna be what I was gonna say. And I was yeah, like, great, this is a segment. Bitch, We're we've like got this. it. We're like we <laughs> we, we have each... other topic. Othering in our yeah. We've we've picked each of us have come up with about three or four people, right? We're gonna go around and we're just gonna share some of them and, and yes. Well, I'm so and, excited. You know, I, talk about our, fear, our favorite ones Ooh. in horror. So, I do we want what do we let's do like one each? We'll go around doing one each. Well, it's very so, horror hour of you. Are we doing like <laughs> little? Are we doing like how are, how long are we spending on each one? Are we like oh, are we just, like keep it keep it pumping? Just go. Or, we don't yeah. have to talk about the whole movie. Just your character. Ooh. Just stick to your character. Go okay. So okay. Adam, you go first with one of yours. Yes. Oh, so we're, so we're doing one, 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 one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, since we're in the in the in the world of Scream, um, not a very popular character, um, but I do have something to say, um, <laughs> about Robbie Mercer from Scream Four, mm-hmm. um, often overlooked in a movie full of loud people, um, because he's the gay one. He's he's got the he's sort of killed on a on a on a gag line. Uh, I didn't. Is... I don't. I didn't think he was gay, though. I read him as straight. I, I go back and forth. With he did him. not read as straight. I did. Me, yeah, I don't know. The way he says it reads is like a straight guy saying it. But I, I, there's a part of me that goes. But I go back and forth each time I watch it, whether what I um, think about it. But continue. Sorry. Yeah. Good. Like, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, Jill is, is more of a gay man than, than Robbie. <laughs> um, she's our gay man. <laughs> every every gay man I know is just just a Jill waiting to happen. <laughs> um so but uh, we're not waiting um happened five years ago and we just no one <laughs> caught it um so robbie is, is interesting to me because like I, I always think about some of these characters who are maybe a little bit more shortchanged where mm. maybe because of the actor maybe wasn't quite tapping into it maybe it's like you know because it was 2011 i think that at the time we were maybe not doing gay characters who were yeah femme at all yeah. um i think the thing of that era the more i think back the more i'm like oh we were really pushing for um no they're just like they're just if they were know. femme it was uh, like the gag it was like the clown uh-huh and i yeah. think it was a big push to be like we're not doing that so um love the seesaw love that we just can't be everything we gotta just be <laughs> the one thing and then whatever we've done too much of then we gotta go hard the other way love it it's not exhausting at all um definitely feel heard um but um so robbie Morris is interesting because like again he's this um just this sort of little dweeb who follows around you know around charlie and it just sort of annoys gail um he's filming everything <laughs> um and uh, what about sydney what about sydney <laughs> <laughs> see that see we, we get these little glimpses of like the future femme gay he'd be. If he was a gay man, he would care about Sydney and Gail. That's the debunked. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like 
it's a house of cards picking apart this character, which is why I'm yeah. like, I picked him because I feel like the script and the direction and the acting others. Okay. Um, I feel like I want to pick apart this character because that's the other thing is, um, I, it, it's weird because I, sometimes I follow when I ever, cause I've seen this movie a lot, obviously. And whenever I follow a movie, sometimes I just give into the flow Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will sit there and I will try my best to follow the logic of that. And then I will try to fill in like, okay, given if I take everything you're telling me at face value as the truth, um, what is the, what is this boy's story? And the fact is like, he's in love with this friend who's like, kills him. And like, as he comes out to him and it is sort of this sort of nightmare. Um, of just of just that and that like it is this sort of kind of like this life you know cut short it is sort of like almost um sort of a late 90s this is sort of like the late 90s gay coming out nightmare like you come out to your friend uh and 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 it would go this and it would go this bad um (laughs) uh yeah i think that's um and that's what always makes me very very sad um for him a lot of my choices are sad a lot of my okay. choices are not like I, she is because uh, I know Ian. All your usually choices are like sad, honey, these sorts of uh, she he, she is othered, honey. She is othered. Um, my choices are all like ugh, makes me so depressed. So um, this is I don't know if I've ever are, so, read into Robbie Mercer like in a depressed sense either. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like very depressed by this. Like every time, like yeah. it's just like he's the, like, he's this sort of unfinished business. It is a very close reading. Yes. It's a close reading, and I and I wanted because like it was between this and Jesse from uh, Freddy's Revenge, and Freddy's Revenge is just very covered. Um, love it, and that is more obvious because mm-hmm. it's like being played as such, and they were not. Again, that's. I'm not saying like oh I wish movies were like they were in 1984 because that was not a great time, um, <laughs> but there was a freedom to having to play in this way. But Jack, what is one of your picks? Oh, goodness. Okay, so I've been going, I've been rotating my list a good bit because I'm just like, there's so many good ones. I'm going to start with Midsummer, which is a terrible movie. I hate this movie. Um, I saw it once. Don't ever need to see it again. It's got good stuff, but it's just uh, overall just bad movie, right? But we're not talking about the movie. It, we're talking about the characters. It makes me anxious. It mm. makes me anxious. Yeah, it has good yeah, stuff. Yeah. It has really good stuff. It's just like right. so packed with bullshit. Um, Danny. And saying you don't like it makes me anxious either. So also Danny is a really yeah. good, <laughs> is a really Danny... great othered character. And she's othered because of her grief and other people not knowing how to deal with it, right? And not knowing how to deal with her. She doesn't really have community of her own. Doesn't really have Welcome friends. <laughs> have friends of her own. Do you want this character? <laughs> um, and instead, she's kind of having to latch onto the only people that she is just trying to pull some sort of of like normal. She's trying voice. to keep it together. She's trying not yeah. to lose her fucking mind, and so she's clinging onto her boyfriend and her boyfriend's friends, right? But she doesn't exactly have her own gr- group of people, and so she follows them. They don't really want her around, you know. She kind of is at the wet blanket yeah, on all of them. All, yeah. Yes, they all get high. She has a freak out, you know. She's. It's just they don't know how to deal with somebody who is actively grieving like this. And I think in that her character is so fucking interesting because she just and and. Obviously, every 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 person on my list is only on my list because the actor made them the character that they are, right? And so Florence Pugh just she's just owns this. Right. She's so good in this, right? Um, and I Heard just love Danny's exploration of grief, and then by the end, just just setting her boyfriend on fire, right? Just watching her boyfriend burn and being you know, like, I mean, huh. that probably would make me feel better too. Finding like, her own family. <laughs> Am I gonna be in a bear costume? Am I gonna be in your in your backyard in New Jersey, set on fire at midnight? I swear, like like, Adam having fun with Zach. These movies are like why I'm glad I don't like live like right near you, (laughs) and because I feel like I'd be like wrapped into this, I'd be like disposing of a burn thing. I'm like, Adam, do you want to help me throw away Zach's body wrapped in bearskin that got burnt up in a tent in my backyard? I may catch uh, fire. You may get me with fire, but if you want to stab me in the stomach, I'm good. I'm 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 alive. 
So uh, I don't know if I've told you both this, mm-hmm. but the wild thing is I saw that movie with my friend got stoned in the parking lot. And as I was getting stoned, was like, oh my God, today's the anniversary of Chris's death. <laughs> and like, then saw that movie. And it it's was incredibly like, oh. anxiety inducing. It is like, it has a bunch of really great stuff. That opening of that movie, yeah. truly, I've never been so unsettled. Gonna, that like beat the exorcist the, for me. I, because yeah. of the opening, I thought I was going to love it. And then I felt the same way you do, Zach. But, it's just a lot of yeah. going. A lot of um, still going. And, and then we're still going. Yes. I would have liked to see on screen. Yes. Um, but yeah, I saw that movie and I was so, like, it was the first year that I forgot about the anniversary of Chris's death. And then like walking into the theater and I was like, oh, her family's dead. Oh, this is about grief. Motherfucker. And I'm so stoned. Like, there it is. There I like is. wanted to leave. But OK, so I'll go to my list. Um, Who do I want to say first? You know, I'm going to say because I probably have the least about to say about her is Taryn from Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. She is my favorite character in that movie. Um, do you want to quote it? I need you to quote it if you're going to do it, okay? And you got to they got to give performance. <laughs> give performance. Wait, wait, wait. wait you have wait, pizza? Wait. You just hold up two pizza slices. Okay. I got I got paint. <laughs> I got a pen and a paintbrush. Where she's like, "Let's dance, asshole." And like, I just think that's so good and she looks so cool and punk and like I hate that she dies in such a like the way he kills people in those, that movie is so like not just like awful death, but it's like humiliating. To oh, they have whatever. actual issues and their issues yeah. are killing them. Right? He's against them. And like, he like has his fingers turning needles and kills her. And she's like an addict in recovery. And like, that's how she dies. And it's so like, bleh. and everyone in that movie is an outcast, right? Like everyone, mm-hmm. like Nancy comes in to help the outcasts. Um, but she's my favorite because she gets the cool eighties punk rock look with the fucking Mohawk. And I, I love that she like builds this confidence. And I mean, I hate that then she immediately dies, but I like a character that is, she's like so quiet up until then. Right. Like, yeah. what does she say? She's one. beautiful and bad. Yes. Is like it's great. That's good. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to do that. Um, but like, and I like that she gets all this confidence and gets her like the way she envisions herself as like cool and beautiful is like super fucking eighties punk rock mohawk girl with mm-hmm. knives and I'm like, yes, fucking kill Freddy. But then she she dies. So she and we and Zachary and I <laughs> saw the actor at Harkon. And- we did. Uh, we we didn't. We, okay. she, she asked if we were going karaoke, which we thought she was inviting us. We show up. She wasn't even fucking there. We she didn't. wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> she just said, are you coming to karaoke? We said, yes, if you're going to be there. She says, I'll be there. And she wasn't. But she lied. Adam, who is next oh. on your list? Oh, first of all, before I do that, I said, I want when I. When I get to that, I, I would like to I would like to catfish some 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 young queers like that. I want to be like, how about you show up? How about you show up? Buy this book thing? and I'll meet y'all at karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one is obviously in, you know, you know, one of my faves. Um, Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me, which is a horror movie. This is one of the skip this beats the little piss out of any horror movie. Um, you can see, okay, I'm not going to go on and on about what well, no, that's fine. That's I've just, I've, I've not bad. seen it. I won't really okay. want to get into Twin Peaks. Um, gotcha. so you can spoil it for me though. It's, it's been out long enough. Um, Are but Ian sure? told me that the, what was it? The Christmas log was like the firewalk with me or whatever. We watched the a movie log, called baby. the Christmas log. Oh, the new oh, log. oh, oh, oh. There's oh, this weird horror movie. And if that, it's like, like that, I don't know it if is. it'll be my thing. It'll be too much nonsense <laughs> for you because it's almost too not much nonsense for me. Fire Walk With Me is not my favorite, but the show Twin Peaks is. Right? Yes, but I do know who Laura uh, Palmer um, is. So. so Fire Walk With Me is like a nightmare of a movie. Like it's just an actual night. Like all mm-hmm. of Lynch's sort of post-1990 stuff is, is just, you could just, if you're not understanding it, just go, this character is having this nightmare. And then you at least have that sort of like bookending experience. Adam and I watched this together when I we both lived in New York. He came over to my apartment and we almost ended our friendship afterwards. Oh my God, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> yeah, we watched it. Out? We watched oh it. I watched God. it for the first time with you. No, I did. That's for, oh my God. <laughs> I remember that. So it's just why I, it's just why like I said this in the text message when we were, we were, we were talking about these and I said, now cut this one if it's not appropriate for the thing. But you know what? I'm glad I'm here talking about this. I'm glad I'm here because I got to no, hear I, about all. I got to hear about all these Dream Warriors characters. I never seen that movie. 
So, oh, really? Um, nah, it's, it's a Friday movie. I've seen them all. Um, so I'm saying, I feel like you've seen all like those like older horror I've, movies. I've seen I've seen them basically. Um, I but no, to, I I yeah. do consider like I feel like Twin Peaks and like there are shows that like I guess aren't horror, but I do feel like are in horror, and I do feel like Twin Peaks like yes, love it or hate it, yeah, it is horrifying. It is you feel afraid, you feel dread during yeah. it. Um, and so the big thing about this one, so so Firewalk with Me is both a prequel and a sequel to the show. Uh, and if you find that sentence I just said um, aggravating, um, then the movie will aggravate you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it is not like, oh, there are scenes that are sequels and there are scenes that are prequels. It is a prequel and sequel happening at the same time. Um, and so basically the prequel part is we are we are detailing the last seven days in the life of Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer's death, obviously. Oh, that's so dark. It's very dark. So Laura Palmer is homecoming queen. Her death starts the show, like a pilot episode of the original series. It's body of the homecoming queen washes up on the shore. And it's a big murder mystery about um, how to, how to unravel it. Um, Spoiler alert for anybody who has never seen the show. I'm about to spoil it. Um, So turn, you know, Zoom ahead. It's or been out long enough. They can okay, just, you have yes. had your time. You were not going to see. It was her father. So um, yeah. So one of the, I think that's one of the best episodes of television when you find out. It's, when they do find out is one of the best things Bob Iger ever did accidentally. <laughs> yes, accidentally. David Iger to <laughs> force David David Iger force David Lynch to um, reveal it too soon because um, he if David Lynch had his way he would have never revealed never. it. <laughs> um, which I think is a little excessive. I would, I do think it ended prematurely, um, so I don't like that. But um, David did come and swing and, and just did a terrifying, terrifying. Yeah, ter- so- a lot of my book, Surrender Your Sons, um, big horror moments kind of came directly tonally out of that episode where the killer is revealed and from Firewalk to Me, which has to do with the last seven days of Laura's life. And this is why. Um, she is one of my, she was the very first name on my top outcast other people in horror um, is because she is um, the ultimate, to me, she's the ultimate final girl, even though she is famously dead. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is getting wild, man. I feel like I'm wild. on drugs right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so long story short, this is a big, big movie for it's 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 um it's gotten a big resurgence with the Criterion channel folks. Like a lot of people end up picking this movie when they do this Criterion yeah, closet seen, yeah. videos that like you know directors and whatnot. It's gotten a lot of it was like booed at Cannes because people love booing. It's, it's either ovation for twenty minutes or booing. There's no like just they applaud for a second. There's it's just the two. Mm. Um and so. You know, there was a there's an extremely negative reaction. Um, it got done really dirty, um, and it, I think it was maybe the very first, if not the first, one of the first uh, movies that had been made of of an existing TV show, and not like oh we're gonna do Mission Impossible based off of the show. Right. We're gonna it was this was like this same people, same actors, same story, just more of that story, but on the screen. So people didn't really know what to do with that. And in this movie, in her last seven days, you see her descend into, because she's basically been abused by her father for ever. Mm-hmm. And, but it's this kind of supernatural entity that also, it's, they, they keep it very vague. Like, is he possessed by the supernatural entity named Bob, who's this sort of man oh, all in denim, um, who is just frightening, who just creeps into her bedroom. Like basically every time he sneaks into her bedroom, he looks like Bob. And you don't know, like, is this her coping? So like she changes his face because oh, she that's can't interesting. Mm. Yeah. So we don't know that. And then like there is like the, the whole point of this is the last week is it's been going on forever. And the only reason she died is because she started to learn the truth. Like she stopped coping and started 
coming to consciousness about what was happening. So a lot of this is, um, a lot of this movie, which seems very tragic and it seems very depressing, also has, just has a lot of triumph to it. A lot of um, Cheryl Lee, the actress, is gives this performance that is just, yeah, and I right. don't mean this to sound like flippant, like it's literally it came out the same year Batman Returns did. And like, it's to me, this is like Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman level, like blonde lady going mad um level like same level like it is just, she she does this performance that is just completely out there um to this day cheryl lee says that like you know you know women and incest survivors of, of every gender like come up to her and are just like this is the only movie that has ever understood like what it feels like oh, wow. um and it's just how like maddening it feels like because it just it's there's an, a lot of unreality um and uh, I, it's just I, I, her story. When I when I hear other, when I hear Outcast, like I'm just there's not a day I am not thinking of her. This character, she's not like a character to me. Like she's a, she's a person. And so her coming to realization about this is her sort of taking that power back, mm-hmm. you know. And even though she is killed, um, because of this knowledge, you know, she the brave thing she did, which was sort of sort of coming into that knowledge. And so it's just, um, if everything I'm saying sounds like gobbledygook to you, I, I promise, go watch the movie. <laughs> it's, 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 it's mad. Would I be able to watch it's, it's the movie great. without watching the show? I did. Okay. It was, well, it was actually the first thing I saw. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'll do then. Yeah. It's, I, would, I, would, I would say, like, if, because what they, the, I think a lot of the reasons the fans maybe didn't like it at first was because they cut out a lot of the side characters Kyle MacLachlan, who's the main Agent Cooper of the show, sort of isn't really in it. All you kind of need to know is that, like, there's this sort of interdimensional sort of hell realm called the Black Lodge. That's all red curtains and the black and white. Like Adam's blanket on his chair. Like this right here. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Ian. Um, Anyway, so, like, it's that's that's the only thing that, like, you probably couldn't, like, piece together on your own. But, like, I think it's probably better... Um, because you're really just, it's, it's honestly just, it's a ride. I'm going to admit, like, I'm not going to tell you, you're going to love it. It's not for everybody, but, um, it's, if you give it a chance, you don't have to watch the whole show. This movie (laughs) is on its own. This movie is on its own. But okay, Um, Zach. Yes. Anyway, go. What is your next one, Zach? Oh, are we on me? Okay. Yes. Oh, goodness. Um, let's do, (sighs) Let's go with okay. Has has everybody seen May or no? It's got Angela. I've not seen May. Okay, well I'm gonna go with it anyway. May, yes, May. I used to look at the VHS cover in Blockbuster when I was younger. Uh, Angela Bettis is one of my favorite, like, horror movie actors. She's one of my favorite actors in general, but like in horror, she's really good, and she hasn't gotten. She hasn't. She has B E T. T-I-S, um, Angela Bettis, but she has not, she also played Carrie at one point, which I also have on my list, um, but she, Wait, Carrie, was she Carrie? And she the... was in the, the like sci-fi version or whatever that they oh, made, okay, okay. like back in the early 2000s, which was also very, very good. Um, but she just plays outcasts and misfits like so well, like just to a T. So May, when she was a child had a lazy eye, right? And so she would wear an eye patch and didn't really make friends with other kids. Other kids kind of bullied her or, you know, they othered her. And she, so she, her mom said, well, if you can't find friends, make one. And she gives her this doll. Um, And so when May grows up, she still has this doll that's in a glass case. She keeps it in this glass case. She doesn't really touch it. Um, And she just, her only friend is this doll. And she's kind of this adult who is not very well socialized, kind of still outcast, um, doesn't really know how to interact with people and hyper fixates on people's body parts, right? So she, um, who's the guy? It is, uh, Jeremy Sisto is like a guy that she, she is like really in- interested in because she just sees him on the street one day and she's obsessed with his hands. And so she just watches his hands. And then Anna Ferris, um, she's really obsessed with Anna Ferris's uh, neck and, um, she Anna starts, is in that movie? yeah, and she starts making as a lesbian. Uh, so she starts making these like little relationships, but she just doesn't know how to fit, right? She can't make herself fit, and things just start going wrong. She's not really making these friends like she thought she was going to. This guy that she likes, you know, he has, he thinks she's weird, and so she 
in her frustration, breaks her doll and needs a new friend. So in order to just kind of snap and start killing everybody else and getting their body parts to make her own new friend, she starts assimilating more and gathers her confidence more. And she's not like a hero or anything. She She's very much a villain, but she, yeah, she gathers confidence and kind of not becomes normal, but uh, just moves through the world a little bit easier because she knows she has an objective and that's to like get these guys' hands, get her, Anna Ferris's neck, get other people's body parts. And by the end, she makes her own very best, you know, very own best friend. And that's she's wild. Happy. I love that. Yeah. She takes her own eye out too in order to give the, the doll eyes. So it's, it's great. But when was it May? May. Yes. May. It was made in 2000, I think, or yeah. 2001. So if you just type May movie, right. it's on Amazon Prime, I think. In the 2000s, Anna mm. Ferris did everything. She, she got like did. a lifetime. Yeah, she her IMDb is beefed. But yeah. the highlight is Angela Bettis because she is just phenomenal at at and and the, the thing with that I really love about her is that right is that she it's the performance of Angela Bettis that really steals your heart and like makes you care for this clearly insane woman right who's like chopping up people and taking their body parts and kills a cat and i hate when there's an animal death well you just you know there's, there's, an, there's animal an animal death, death. Movie. yes you are insane about animal death. and this and is... Angela I, I was just gonna just, say i was like i'm not watching that Angela Bettis just has my heart and i'm just like oh <laughs> but you know she was frustrated <laughs> so well, how do, what about, wait go back go back go back go back but yeah. what do you mean we're insane about this that's because a normal thing to be bad about. It no, should be. Think, yeah, no, you, no. You're, you're not. You're 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 the outcast here. You're the outlier. You're you're the, you, I'm othering you. Yeah. <laughs> Othered. Othered. Ian, what's your next one? Um, my next one is Theo from Haunting of Hill House, the Mike Flanagan the original Netflix show. Which um, I just saw. Well, I, I saw for the second time last week, and I just showed it to my husband. Wait, no, uh, no, no, him for the first time last week. Wait, you're talking? No, you're talking about the show, the the movie, the show. Right? The oh, the show. show. Oh, okay. yeah, he said show in the text message. Oh, okay. Um, Nana. Yeah. No, I love Theo. <laughs> is one of my favorite characters, like in general. Um, I think it was is Michael it Kate? Too. Yeah, Kate Siegel or Katie? It's Kate. Kate right? Siegel. Yeah, Kate Siegel. Um, I think she portrays oh, a Kate. character. Maybe it's Katie Siegel because then, like, there's now we're both mad. No, and then no, there's a Katie Seagal somewhere out there. I was it's just wild, Yeah. Okay. So it's probably Kate. Um, she's great. Um, I love that Theo. Theo is like it's so weird that Mike Flanagan, a straight man, wrote this character because she is one of the most nuanced gay, like, queer mm -hmm. characters I've encountered on in anything, especially in horror. Um. And like you know, have, he's got to have a lesbian sister. So like, there's no. I think I think I did read that. They like, can't pick that up on their own. They can't. Right. Put on and like, she's messy in a way that's not like offensive straight guy writing her. She's like allowed to be like genuinely. Like I mentioned before, with Robbie Mercer, this was not written from a place of fear. He allows Theo yes. to go to mm. these places, and that is why she works. Like that's again that that's. That's why I don't like to say rep because it's like it's just you can just allow. Well, it feels your like a real person with to relax. genuine reactions to yes. situations, yes. right? And yes. I remember when this show came out. I Adam, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember I hadn't watched it yet uh, for whatever reason, and I remember you saying you have to watch this because Theo is you. <laughs> I oh did. I, so, so when I, we were when we were watching the show this last week, basically like a ghost of you showed up <laughs> in the in my, in my house. <laughs> just going like Theo's great. <laughs> oh, when she falls off the couch at the at the wake. The funeral is my that's I <laughs> I think that's a fucking fantastic oh, episode. Of course. Yes. That's a beautiful, she beautiful is episode. Like that is me. That has been me the last 10 years since Chris died, where it's like, don't fucking tell me what to do. Like, yeah, I'm drunk and I'm gonna fall over. Don't look at me, don't touch me. Like, I'm gonna and be a mess. And Theo could like barely bear that personality for 48 hours before cracking. So and you oh maintain that I'm, for 10 years. Yeah. I'm glad you can't touch things and just feel them, right? I'm glad you don't have this little ability. Say, oh, it would be a little, oh little a little too much. Because if you're Theo without superpowers, then um and I just like, I, is. I just appreciate that she also was kind of a dickhead and like that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Like she, what is she sleeps with? Is it her? She's you, she's the like character that usually is traditionally written as a man who's like the asshole yes. in the family, the asshole sibling, right? Mm-hmm. And just um, recently, just recently, uh, my aunt was like, you know, you're not approachable, and I was like, excuse me, and like, so you know, let me put my gloves on because I'm getting heated. And it like reminded me of Theo again. You're taking them off. You do the like, well, I'm gonna take these off right now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you're I, I, this. I is, is this on your is this in your Puerto Rican? Set? Like I'm like I was like who says this? Like I just don't. don't the Puerto Rican like that to people. I was gonna say I was like this feels like this you know what Puerto Rican doesn't said. like. Yeah, I was just gonna say I was like I I know yeah I know your your Republican family side is not gonna they'll destroy you in some other way. But like yeah, Adam and Zach have heard. I feel like they know my family in and out at this point from hearing so much about I'm them. I'm learning but, names. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I like, I feel like, I mean, all three of us, but I feel like Adam, I remember you and I talking about it. Like after I watch it, like that is a queer character we would like to write. Like that is a queer character uh, that is like done so well and acted. So like, there's no part yes. of it that feels like, oh, this is a straight person creating a queer it's character. Everything I want to do. And like, it's a shame that it's like, you know, it's it's the only shame is that it's like adult, yeah. um, because and that's kind of why <laughs> lonely nights. Um, that is why I wrote my characters this way is because like I wanted to see like okay how young can I make these assholes because like a lot of YA stuff and because a lot of stuff I mean like every the I don't know how many folks out there are like big YA readers versus like seeing the YA shows to kind of make it to screen, which is a you know very small amount versus like what's actually out there. There's a lot of really cool, cool yeah. stuff out there, you know, on top of the cool stuff that's like kind of being shown, but a lot of stuff that makes it to, to like the your your television set um is what's allowed is like the sweet stuff. Um mm-hmm. and there were sort of not being allowed to be Theos right now. Um and that's a big, big, huge huge reason um why i wrote deary and cold away i wrote them because like i needed to be able to just get into the skin of these characters so you know what's yeah theo's great you know what's funny adam is when i because you had told me before i read the book there was a little bit of me and zach i was like i hope they don't actually kill each other or something like i kept waiting for them to be like (laughs) i mean kind of spoiler but their best friend i was like is there gonna be like a twist where like they kill Uh, each other yeah i don't know i was i was a little like suspicious of that too when you told me that because I we would not have gotten along in high school like we do we are becoming fully yeah. formed adults well-rounded in high school like completely unhinged I very reactive absolutely we absolutely not have been friends I mean and we're I'm 12 years older than you so there just wouldn't tra- have been a time yes. when we were in school together. exactly exactly I was still in you know elementary this, you were not born oh, god um, <laughs> Adam what is your next pick uh okay so i'm going supernatural with this and one. we're this doing three Kessler. picks so this is going to be your last one so totally fine totally you. fine okay. uh uh david Cutter from an american werewolf in london so this one is um i mentioned this a bit um you can uh i love how much you love this movie <laughs> i do i do and you can catch my extended thoughts i'm not sure to like you know talk up another podcast on this thing but um uh i do i did talk like for 90 minutes about this um over at midnight mass our good friend michael Varati's uh show uh with features christ um but um david cluster in this one is really really cool because um uh it's a very simple story and this is a very simple character kind of done in this very like friendly guy way um and a lot of folks can imprint on um this character um, because the werewolf story is very, um, bendable. You can, you can, it's, it like the werewolf is sort of made for othering. Yeah. Um, you like, it's, it's literally like the, the first Wolfman story was, uh, the, like the universal pictures, 1944 one was written by, um, uh, uh, a Jewish man who was escaped, who, who had escaped, um, uh, Holocaust. Like uh, it, basically, yes. Nazi Germany. Explained. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't Nazi. know that. I didn't know. I don't. I, I'm trying. I was trying to remember the country, but I just whatever. Like again, he was he he fled persecution. Um, but yes, and so a big part when if you if you do watch Universal's um, Wolfman, it is written 
very through that lens. Um, and a lot of a really, really good werewolf movies will do that where they will do, um, um, it's a stranger in a strange land type stuff where it's like, yeah, you look like everyone in town, but everyone in town knows something's, something's up and, with you. And he's um, totally the straight yeah. guy you and I would crush on. Billion percent. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't call him straight. That ruins, that ruins, <laughs> ruins exactly. my whole situation. Like that ruins your whole or whole situation? <laughs> Which one are we going? That ruins my wrecks my whole. Don't ruin the whole situation. Zach, what is your next choice? My next one. Um, let's do Ian. Which one? Oh, you did Theo, didn't you? That was your second. Okay. <sighs> I won't go into it, but Carrie was like gonna be my third one. But if we're only doing three, I'm gonna go with Nell from The Haunting. But like Carrie, you know, I love that the she just like really quick. I love that she just you know was this outcast who decided to kill all of her bullies. So whatever. Um, my my third pick officially <laughs> is from the movie The Haunting, the 1999 one. Um, and Nell played by Lily Taylor. Um, again, it goes with performance for me. If you can steal my heart as an outcast, I will root for you the entire movie. And Lily Taylor just has to pop up on screen in anything that she's in, and it'll steal my heart. So she is a character who has isolated herself and been isolated by circumstance and is taking care of her, like, sick mother. Um, she has this, you know, kind of PTSD where she'll lay in bed at night and she'll almost hear phantom bangings on the wall, which would be her mother banging her cane for Nell to come and help her, right? And so she learns about she, – she's, she's going to be evicted from this apartment um, by her sister and her uh, sister's husband um, after the mom has died. And so she's got to figure out what she's going to do. She doesn't really have any money. She hasn't really been working because she was taking care of the mother. Um, and so she decides to, she reads this ad in the paper to go and stay in the house. And you read the book, Ian, right? So like, you know, that everybody goes and stays in the house and it's like an experiment. And they want to see if anybody can, you know, is sensitive to like the haunting or whatever. So everybody goes and stays there. Um, and then she starts connecting with people and finally clicking with people. And, you know, her oddities aren't as odd. And, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones is super nice to her. And Catherine Zeta-Jones is just this like, fabulous, you know, yeah. woman who's, like, really great to her, right? Like, not a mean girl. Um, I like that. I, Harry I Gale really Weathers, man. That. I'm yeah. telling you, it's the exact same type of character. Um, and Nell, throughout this entire movie, it's just her journey taking charge of herself, her situation, protecting, you know, newfound friends and – Coming out the hero at the end, even though she does die and becomes part of like the becomes part of like a statue on the wall or something like that. Yeah, it's like it's whatever. Like kind of becoming part of the like yeah, she like the wall, the wall. She's she's like have a great life, everybody. That one is like the first thirty minutes are accurate to the book, and then nothing else is. But like the characters are more accurate than they oddly are, and Mike Flanagan's and Lily Taylor as Nell is just fantastic she's just wonderful and you know again steals your heart so that is my third I, pick i love that you have such a soft spot for like the early 2000s horror stuff of course Th- that's like those were my formative right. years of horror yeah i mean me too but i was like 17 <laughs> yes well i got into them younger than you so um because before that it was just scream that i loved um my third pick is going to be the cast of the faculty you can only other... pick one ian you can yes! only pick, pick one. The, all of them <laughs> yes because I, I was in our group text i was going back and forth between clea duvall and josh hartnett and i was given permission to pick yes. all of them as like uh, and elijah wood's character is so fucking queer coded in that movie like he is the little faggot right adam like <laughs> yes here's the thing the, the the teen cast of the faculty could conceivably fuck anyone at any time yeah <laughs> like they all they, you could pair them up like it's a whole like you could draw the lines between the and it, all of them make sense and this like, was it's like oh elijah wood and josh hartnett like that's a pairing where it's like yeah could you imagine um, trying to get these right. folks back into a single project again all together like impossible I know. Right? Also, you like, know famous like, like, you know, like jordana brewster now, my you know? god no like mm. yeah Clea Duvall, I I drew pictures of her in my notebooks in school because I love Truly her so the one I thought you were going to pick, and I was so shocked when I did not see the, her on your list. Because you talk about her when it comes to, like, the punky characters all the time. 
And it always makes me mad that at the end of the movie, she's wearing fucking like baby pink. And it's just depressed. She's depressed. I want to, I really want to see an alternate epilogue to that movie. Yes, please. Where they're not all like, isn't it great? She's not an outcast anymore because she's wearing her Easter dress. Like, Um, but like, I really liked, I really liked that we got this like punk gothic goth kind of girl who like wasn't just like, I feel like especially in this era, it was like they were usually kind of, which is so stupid and not accurate. They were kind of portrayed as like the mean characters. Like back in that day, they were like always like kind of the bullies. And it's like, that's not how that worked. Um, But like, I, even though she is kind of mean, she's not like a bully mean. She's just like, don't talk to me mean. She's got a lot of like, Angsty. Like she's just needles. angsty. Yeah, she's right? like, yeah, like yeah. don't come near me. Yeah. Who yeah. Duvall is great at playing an outcast and misfit. You know, Marcy is Absolutely. perfect. Um, I would never believe her being popular. And uh, so, like, I I used to draw, like, that scene. I would, like, change her outfit a little bit to, like, what I wish she had worn in the scene when the, like, monster grabs her in the pool. Um, and I like that she got to be able to, like, get, like, like Sydney and Gail, she was able to be beat up a little bit, but not like that doesn't mean she's dead, mm-hmm. you know? Because like she gets she gets hit hard when she falls, like it grabs her, and like yeah. I think you see like one of her teeth come out, like blood Oof. splatters. It's and, such like, a Buffy monster moment. This, yeah, this pool ending. It's very like Sunnydale High. I, I love it. it. I, I, it's probably why it's hitting us very hard on. Yeah, I low these years. That's I've I've like always said the faculty is kind of like an episode of Buffy without Buffy, right? Like that yeah. could have been a plot. Of like season one or two of Buffy, we're like absolutely. And Adam, where can everyone find you and buy your books? Uh, you can find me on all social platforms at the Adam Sass, and you can buy my books, especially Your Lonely Nights Are Over, which is brand new wherever you buy your books. Um, but I would prefer you get it from your local indie or Barnes and Noble. However, I know there are other sources and not everyone has access to that. Um, Also, even if you've already pre-ordered the books, listen, this is not about me like saying, give me more money. I really, I'm truly like just moved by the spirit of my narrators. The audiobook for Your Lonely Nights Are Over is fabulous. The only reason I have not finished the right. book because i told adam right before this i'm about two thirds through i do want to so i'm i'm like i haven't gotten to the reveal yet right um yeah. so i want to hear it in the audiobook format because i love an audiobook i love a good narration you an and you have hyped it up so yeah. i'm sold on it so i will be also getting the audiobook it's i love i love brando so coming good. in for some attention at the end I know, <laughs> yes. attention whore, man. but uh anyway that's it. <laughs> well, yes. thank you for joining us, Adam. Uh, this was My so pleasure. nice chatting with you. Uh, yes, thank everyone, you. go buy Your Lonely Nights Are Over or pre order it if it's not out yet. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for watching. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.